Hello and welcome back to Porcelain Peak, the strange and scary podcast that covers everything horror and sci-fi. I'm your host, John, and joining me is Anthony Perez. Hey, what's up, man? What's up? How you doing? Pretty good. I'm ready to uh, do all the normal things, but I'm really ready to dig into Mandy. Yes, me too. And that's what we're going to do this episode. And this was supposed to be episode 10, but because of the whole voice thing, we had to get pushed back. So we have been waiting to talk about this movie for at least two weeks now. Yeah, and we've kept completely silent, haven't really been discussing it too much. Um, I'm sure we'll probably have some differing feelings about certain things about it, but uh, we'll dig into all that in just a few moments. <laughs> we'll start it off with some uh, some news. So uh, there's a small piece of news and then a larger piece of news. So the small piece of news is that at this moment in time, there is currently a legal dispute going on between uh basically the people who are taking over the projects from the Weinstein company and Stephen King over the mist. Oh wow. So Weinstein Group owned the rights to the mist and obviously with with Harvey Weinstein being uh I'll say it a worthless pile of garbage, uh they're now running into this problem where a lot of the original content creators are trying to get their licenses back. But there are all these other companies that are trying to fight over it, and I guess there is kind of a legal battle that's kind of gumming up the process for Stephen King to get the rights back for The Mist. So, that's a little bit scary. I mean, obviously he sold the rights and allowed Frank Darabont to make that movie, but I mean, most of that was because Frank Darabont came with a great idea to make an awesome movie. Like, why wouldn't you? And there was that show, too, that kind of floundered and went nowhere right yeah was that i don't really know how all that kind of stuff works sometimes tv rights and movie rights are separate so is that something that was a part of that same so i think that it partially is because i think that part of what they're saying is that there was some kind of like a handshake deal for stephen king to get the rights back before Uh all of the controversy and now the controversy has hit stephen king's like hey he told me he was going to give me my stuff back, and they're like, we have no record of this or any proof of it, so it's just going to be another legal battle. Hopefully we don't see any weird, splintered Stephen King projects like we're seeing with with uh, with Child's Play and with <laughs> Friday the 13th. I just hope that, I mean, because that's been, that just seems to have been like the theme for this year is just these really weird legal disputes over over big horror, you know, projects right yeah and in another month we're gonna get a movie that's just called pennywise yeah <laughs> it's just gonna be about the clown or whatever <laughs> let's hope that doesn't happen i just let's get maximum overdrive remade you know what i mean oh. <laughs> it can't get worse it probably can get worse <laughs> <laughs> all right well yeah i mean well, i guess we'll try to keep you guys updated on that as developments uh happen and and whatever news we get from that yeah Cool, and then you said you had another big one. Yeah, so the big one, uh, there was a a Brazilian Comic Con that took place um, at the time of releasing this episode. It was probably around six or seven days ago, um, and during that Comic Con, the big announcement was from James Gunn's uh, production studio. Now that he's not tied down with his Marvel responsibilities. Uh, now that he has more free time, 
uh, he has a project that's coming out, and, and it kind of ties the two themes of our podcast together. It's called Brightburn, and it almost looks like it's essentially if when Superman landed on Earth, what if he had like this like evil urge to kill, essentially, is what it looks like. Basically, if he didn't have Martha. Yeah. <laughs> and Jonathan. Yeah, so it, it just, it looks like the, the trailer is... Is very ominous. Uh, the music is very well done, and it looks like the the effects are going to be really good, which I will definitely appreciate for something like this. But it's an interesting concept. I mean, I'm sure that they've they've probably brushed over something like this in the comics at some point in time because Superman's been around forever. Yeah, but essentially, that's what it looks like. The concept is it's this young boy with superpowers who just has these weird, like almost demonic like urges. Yeah. And, uh, I'm really interested to see where this one goes. I, I believe it looks like we'll be getting it next year. Uh, we'll see if it gets some kind of a wide release because I'd definitely like to see it. I mean, I we watched the trailer together. How do you feel about it? I had the same thought about Superman. And if you're not familiar with the origin of Superman, he comes down in a ship on a farm. <laughs> and then the people adopt him and he becomes Superman later on. And basically this movie is about a guy or a kid that comes down in a ship in meteor style, on a farm, people adopt him, <laughs> and then <laughs> instead of being a good guy, he takes looks like this kid, yeah. yeah, becomes a bad guy. So it seems kind of like stealing in a way. Yeah, that's my that's my one big concern is that it's like it does seem like they're stepping on toes of intellectual intellectual property, uh, but. Like I said, if they do enough to make the concept their own, I'm for it. Yeah, and we just saw the trailer, so we don't really know exactly what it's about. So it could be different enough, and we could look like fools later yeah. on. Yoke on our faces. <laughs> but that was my initial reaction to it. Well, I mean, and, and if it's something where it's, you know, the superhero-type genres, but it's starting to blend into, like, like, the gory and almost some horror elements. I mean, he's already pretty well-versed when it comes to that type of a film. Because uh, I believe he made Super, correct? With Rain Wilson, I don't. I don't know. I think you're right though. Yeah, I never did see that though. How was that? Um, visceral. Okay, it's very violent. Cool. (laughs) That's uh, that's right up our alley. Yeah. All right. So yeah, check out that trailer. Let us know what your thoughts are or were if you've already seen it, and then we'll go ahead and jump into our trivia section. All right, man. You go first this week. So. We'll go ahead and choose the top option. It looks like bats and a purple moon. That is going to be the monster category, John. All right. So the monster category. In 28 Days Later from 2002, what is the longest possible length of time it can take a person to succumb to the infection? I honestly don't know. 28 days? (laughs) (laughs) 28 days is how long it takes them to starve. Oh, okay. Um... This, this time frame is much shorter. It is very fast acting. Well, yeah, because I've seen like they get the blood and then they yeah. turn pretty quickly. I don't know, uh, five minutes. It's uh, a lot less than that, actually. It's 20 seconds, oh. so it's very fast. Should have made it 28 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's a lose for me, John. What do you got? I'm going to go with the same category, again, from Monster. This one might be a little bit tricky. We're going to test your Raimi knowledge. 
In Army of Darkness, 1992, the incantation Ash Has Trouble Reciting Properly was a reference to what classic sci-fi film? A, a good blended question for, for the podcast. Hmm. I remember the scene vividly. Just him fumbling fumbling the end. Um, I'll give you a hint. I loosely mentioned it in last week's episode. Loosely mentioned it. Hmm. I mean, I mentioned it directly, I guess. But we didn't talk about it. <laughs> is it from The Day the Earth Stood Still? It is from The Day the Earth Stood Still. Way to be a good listener, John. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Should we do more? Yeah, let's do a couple more. Okay. Go ahead for it. So. Wishikala. This one is going to be uh, The Eyeball. Gray Eyeball. All right, that is gore slash disturbing. So I don't. So like I said, this this card is wacky, close to the one from last week. Um, what actor narrated the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from two thousand three? Oh wow! Yeah, narrated. Um, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> no, I'll give you a hint. He also narrated the original. I don't remember there being a narration. So, I don't know. Toby. No, it's not Toby. Uh, uh, John Larroquette. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool that they brought him back. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, mean, I wish it would have <laughs> equated to better gains. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the one with Jessica Biel? I think so. I don't remember that one being like terrible, though, right? But it's remaking, uh, I mean, yeah. in my opinion, one of the most classic horror films of all time. Oh, yeah. Definitely top ten. All right. Let me see here. Let me see here. I think this might be an easy one. What is the color of the lanterns lit at the houses of the Invitation members in The Invitation from 2015? So I haven't seen The Invitation. I'm sorry. That's from the psychological category. Mm. Um, The red category. Is it a red lantern? Oh my gosh, off the top of your head like that. <laughs> Check that out. <laughs> Man. You got it. <laughs> two for two today, huh? Yeah. With the trivia all done and over with, let's talk about Mandy. Yes. So let's. we've we've known that Mandy was coming to Shudder for, for quite a while. Um, maybe back in the day I would have considered maybe trying to... Uh, Procure it, we'll say in a in a uh, more nefarious way. But <laughs> being being a, a sound minded adult, I do like to at least in some way try to contribute to the creators who make all the cool stuff that I like. So, um, as far as this movie was concerned, it was something that we saw the trailer for a few months ago, and it was it just it looked so inviting, and it had all these really cool color schemes and. I was just really excited to see it. And, I mean, love him or hate him, Nicolas Cage is is definitely an interesting person to watch on <laughs> film. Um, That's a word you can use? Yeah, interesting is probably probably the best thing you can use to describe, describe Nicolas Cage. I'll say about Cage that growing up, I really liked a lot of his movies that I had watched, you know, like in his heyday. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, uh, we are all of... Uh, 
a couple of days apart in age. So we grew up in a similar era where he was in movies like The Rock, Con Air, Face Off. Face Off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, but it was, you know, before he got into, you know, we're talking about like, um, shoot, why is it not coming to me? The bees, Ghost Rider. Uh, yeah, before he got into things like Ghost Rider, and then. We won't even talk about that terrible, uh, what's the name of the movie? Which one? The Bees, not the Bees. The Bees? Yeah, the Not the Bees, Ah, My Eyes. I have no idea. It's a remake of a great horror movie. Wicker Man? Yeah, the Wicker Man. Oh. Yeah. We won't even talk about that terrible, uh, terrible remake of the Wicker Man. Yeah, I forgot that he, uh, redid that. Yeah, it's really not good. I just watched the original for the first time last year, and yeah, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, so it's another one of those it. movies. It's another one of those movies that didn't need to be. Re- it's another one of those movies that didn't need to be remade. Yeah, I mean, most of them don't. And then you put Nicolas Cage in the front of it. Like Nicolas Cage can work in a horror movie. I think that he lost a lot of money doing real estate at some point or something he got caught up in some taxes and that yeah sort of stuff. and so i think for a lot of his movies he just phones it in on purpose i don't mm-hmm. think he's a bad actor i think yeah. when he's on he can still do it you know and i feel like that comes through when he gets a project that i'm sure he was into like mandy yeah you know because he i mean he's full cage yeah and he goes full rage cage about like 40 <laughs> to 45 minutes in and I was I was prepared for it. I wanted to see it. Like I, you know, I grew up with his over the top reactions and just his. He has this like really aggressive, like almost kind of like alpha male type bravado when he's going over, you know, over that line. And um, well, I don't agree with it. I I think that it's a staple of his career, and I and I love to watch it. Yeah, and uh, for me. That's part of what drew me into this movie was one of the reviews I saw had mentioned that it was probably his best performance in like a decade or something like that. Yeah. And so I was intrigued because I want to see him. I know what he's capable of. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I want to see him do what he does again. Yeah. I want to see if he's got another leaving Las Vegas hanging out in the chamber somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. And so that drew me into it. I had saw the trailer a few months back at least and was intrigued and then one of my buddies had mentioned seeing it and said that he hated it yeah and so i was very surprised by that because of the reviews i had i had come across and then you and i sat down and watched the trailer because i had talked to you about that and it rekindled my interest i was Mm -hmm. like oh yeah i definitely want to see this movie and then shutter was getting it which i check all the time yeah and i was like oh yeah i was Checking every day, when's Shutter releasing? <laughs> when's Shutter going to release? And then finally it was like the 29th. So that was pretty cool. Um, and I text a bunch of my friends like, hey, it's out. Let's do it. And so you, me, and Kyle and Dom from yeah. the Thanks Killing bonus episode <laughs> sat down and ch- checked that out. And it was it was an experience for yes. all of us. It's definitely uh, probably the best description for it. You know, it's... It's like nothing I've probably ever seen before, but also kind of meta and makes a lot of references to a lot of really big franchises. And I'm not mad at it for that, for sure. Like, 
I mean, we'll, we can start kind of breaking some of the things down. We can start moving into... We'll start with, you know, the story. Uh, it's definitely slower paced in the beginning. It yeah. takes a little while for it to pick up steam. It's a lot of a lot of talking, and the visuals are stunning. I mean, from start to finish, everything about the visual style is breathtaking. Uh, we got to enjoy it in glorious 4K, and it was absolutely incredible. But... Like I said, the story it has a really slow start. Um, it definitely does pick up a lot of steam because there's a lot of a lot of stuff that happens from about the 45, 50 minute mark to the end. There's all kinds of stuff going on, but like I said, that that first first thirty minutes is 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 a little bit of a slog. I mean, I how, agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I and I mean, real quick, I guess we could just say what the movie is loosely about. So, Nicolas Cage and his girlfriend or wife yeah I'm not, it's significant other is yeah, probably that's good equivalent um mandy mm-hmm. and they live in the woods and it takes place in the 70s i believe right the 70s or 80s yeah. yeah and one day this cult more or less sees mandy want her and then they kill her yeah and then nicholas cage goes full rage full full rage cage (laughs) and and we're gonna um and then it becomes a revenge story like tarantino style you know where he's like okay i'm going to take down my bill (laughs) or whatever (laughs) and uh and that's basically it i mean that's the general plot of the movie so i don't feel like that's spoiler but i guess i should have led with that yeah. right now but i mean that's from the trailer and that's what the movie is about it's a rage movie or not a rage movie it's a revenge movie <laughs> i mean, it turns I mean it's a rage, rage movie, movie. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah so but like you said the beginning is very slow and not that i have a problem with that and it does help build this relationship between the two characters mm-hmm. his name is red in that movie so between red and mandy and you get to see their relationship so when the emotional stuff does start to happen you do feel that a lot and yeah. a lot of times with movies you won't get that emotional tie and kind of like with some of the emotional stuff in like crimes of grindelwald mm-hmm. where you didn't really feel those characters so that when bad stuff happens or good stuff happens it's like okay that's fine yeah we but just with this people. one yeah you're like oh damn <laughs> you yeah know? It does it, there there is reason you know reason behind that slower pace in the beginning yeah i mean because otherwise if they just kind of thrown you into it you don't have any real reason to like mandy as a character aside from that small section of time where she's talking with red and kind of building that relationship you know showing us you know the kind of like their little nuances and idiosyncrasies she's a little into darker things like you she's an artist and she's drawing all these really interesting things and it just was uh it was a way to kind of flesh that character out and give it some weight before you essentially ax her to get the to to get that emotional pull and give uh give red those motivations to move forward with the story. Yeah, definitely. And and it works. I think the if I were to watch it again knowing that it's a little bit slower toward the beginning, I'd be a little bit more accepting than I was when we first watched it. Yeah. Only because I wanted to watch Nick Cage wreck house. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what I went into that movie wanting. And so I was just waiting in anticipation for that. Yeah. You know? And so my adrenaline was going before it even started. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, let's were, do it. We're getting amped up and everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so for me that did drag 
a bit not knowing that going in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but yeah, I don't know if you had somewhere. Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah, don't know. Like, yeah. Like I, like I said, I was. I mean, we were. You know, we drank a couple of beers and we were trying to get ourselves, you know, hyped for the movie. And uh, we didn't we didn't expect anything really other than what we saw from the trailer. And that that gap, like I said, there was a little bit of disparity. But I don't I'm not typically one to shy away from a slower movie or a movie that has some pacing problems. Uh, It it just like I said, at that particular moment, I, you know, we wanted to see you know, ridiculous Nick Cage. We definitely got ridiculous Nick Cage. It just took us a little while to get there. And I wouldn't even necessarily say like ridiculous because there's definitely movies where like that was ridiculous, but like, yeah, like full blown. Yeah. I mean, there's a scene of him just like screaming. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's, it's, it's a little bit funny, but then you're like thinking about it. At least for, for me, I was, and I was kind of taken aback because of the emotion that mm-hmm. he was exhibiting and how he felt about the whole thing. Yeah. It was intense. Um, yeah. So again, his acting performance is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's believable and it's all well-deserved and you see him in pain emotionally and physically and it wearing on him and you see his motivation throughout the whole thing and it never lets up yeah. until he gets what he wants or maybe he doesn't. yeah like i said it's it's really incredible what they were able to do it's a pretty short time frame where all the stuff takes place and they do quite a bit like i said they they really dig in to red and they like i said they give him intense motivations and they show how much it truly hurts him and how much he really wants to achieve his goals and the like I said, that leads into probably the best parts of the movie for me were the the ridiculous action set pieces. I mean, they they had some really cool choreography and they did some really amazing things with weapons and like I said, they like that ties into the visual style as well. They were like all these different like locales and it just like I said, it was uh candy on the screens at all times. There was always something to look at. He has very strange visuals, too, in terms of even sets, because it does take place, I believe, in California more. Yeah, either California or Oregon, something along those lines. But at random points, the landscape becomes, I don't know, like Like mountainous and and futuristic in some... It's weird. Yeah. And it's... It's... (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. And it's all very psychedelic, because... Throughout the whole thing, there's acid yeah, or there's, LSD being yeah. used constantly by the cult members. Mm. And so that was weird. That was another thing that I was not expecting to be taking place. In. Yeah, there's plenty of drug use in this movie. Yeah, and the cult leader, um, Jeremiah Sand, who's played by Linus Roach, I believe mm. is how you say his last name. He was fantastic. Such a creep. Yeah. But he did a great job being creepy, and I... I was like, man, I believe it. It's very, like, Manson-esque. Yeah, he definitely made you, like, really not like him. Yeah. (laughs) He did a great job at me hating him. But the acting performances from everybody were good, Mm -hmm. I thought. And, like you were saying, the the sets are very strange. Because at one point, 
it almost looks like they're in a warehouse, but then he goes downstairs in the warehouse and they're just in a house. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so that was, that was weird, but it has this very dreamlike atmosphere to it. And I feel like that's conducive to dreams where you can change scenes in your mm-hmm. dreams and you just kind of accept it. And I feel like it played with the idea of the movie where they're all tripping anyway. And so it all is one big dream or yeah, one big sure. LSD trip. There, let's talk about the the bikers. Y- y- okay, <laughs> this is so. This is where you know this movie is about to take a sharp left turn. So, you are introduced to these cult members. The cult leader is like, "Oh, I, you know, I saw this woman on the side of the road. I have to have her." He's like throwing a little temper tantrum and a hissy fit about it, and. So he sends out his crew with what's best described as the Ocarina of Time. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. yeah. It looks like an Ocarina. And so they go out into this place in the fog, in the dark, and they play some weird tune on the Ocarina. And then these weird, leather-clad, alien-looking bikers show up out of nowhere. Uh, and they're like... They make some sort of an exchange of, like, a jar of weird goo. Yeah, and they're very... To me, it seemed like an homage to Hellraiser. Yeah. They looked a lot like Cenobites. Definitely. And, and even, like, Pinhead. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, three of them, I believe. Three or four of them. There's three. Yeah, and they looked like the main ones from Hellraiser. Even. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. So that was one of those homages that you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting because you don't really know what they are, if they're people, or if they're some kind of demon, because they are being summoned, yeah, or what, and whatever they drink gets them all jacked up. Yeah. But I feel like that was also a really weird addition, because they go to the house, and what do they do? Like, what is their purpose? What did they do that the cult members couldn't have just done themselves? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they could have easily gone to to Red and Mandy's house and then just, and grabbed them themselves. Yeah. Instead, they had these biker people come, and I was like, "Well, that's cool. It's cool visually." Yeah, but what like what purpose did it serve aside from then he goes and fights them? Yeah, I mean, it it gives a lead up before he actually starts to dig in, and it services that section of the plot where we start start getting into that really heavy action portion. But they don't really make a whole lot of sense story-wise. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. They are cool-looking, and they are an interesting concept. It's just if they would have tied them into the story a little bit better, I think that it would have been a little more worthwhile. It just ends up being a conquest for Red to get through. Exactly, yeah. The hero's journey. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Let's talk about some of the symbolism. So... There's parts of this movie that randomly go into animation, Mm -hmm. which I was not expecting. And initially, I was kind of weirded out by it. But then thinking back on it, and something that you had mentioned earlier, Mandy is an artist. Yeah. Right? And so she is drawing when she's still in the movie. And it cuts to that kind of stuff. And we get to see her artistry. And then the animation scenes later kind of represent that you know what i mean and it is more or less her being there still and like pieces of her 
um, sprinkled throughout the whole film. So at first, yeah, wasn't a big fan, but I've I've grown. It's grown on me. Yeah, especially after giving it some time to unpack. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I didn't have any problems with the animation during. Um, like I said, because it does have that that heavy tie to previous themes in the film. Like I said, being that Mandy is an artist, you know, having that that connection to her is definitely important, you know, because she, she's the titular character. There needs to be a tie to her, you know. Um, def- there's definitely a lot more as far as symbolism is concerned, especially, you know, with there's some, some under-the-surface religious stuff, but there's definitely a lot of over-the-top, in-your-face religious symbolism as well. Um, yeah, I was reading that the writer-director... Um, his name, give me a second, it's, is Panos Cosmatos. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was reading that he originally wanted the movie to be a story about old versus young. Mm-hmm. So they wanted Cage originally to be the cult leader. And Cage said no, he wanted to be red. He felt like that part was for him. Yeah. And... They couldn't come to an agreement, so then the movie just stopped. But I guess somebody got them back together, and they decided to go ahead and do it. And so they said that they shifted the focus from old versus young to love and loss of love. Yeah. And I think that that comes through on, like, the surface. But I feel like there's a lot more underneath, you know, to this movie, like you were saying, with the religious stuff. Because you are getting the cult. And you are getting these weird relics that supposedly have some kind of power. Yeah. And there's definitely some like Christianity references throughout the whole thing. We see a lot of triangles. Yeah. And throughout the whole, throughout all of it, you know, even the end takes place in like a compound that's like like almost like a pyramid. Yeah. And and that can be some sort of like a you know representation of the Trinity of some sort of holy Trinity that you're that we're getting in. I feel like Nick Cage, I don't, it's hard to say, because I feel like he was almost Jesus-like yeah. in a way. He was left for dead, strung up on a, basically like yeah. on a cross, like crucified. Yeah, essentially, right? And had, I guess in this case it was barbed wire, but could have been like thorns, like his crown yeah. of thorns, but instead of being around his head, it was around his mouth. His mouth, yeah. And so I, I, I've latched onto that idea and I don't know if that was intentional from the filmmakers, but uh, I continuously found connections like with the Trinity and with the triangle. And I think at one point the cult leader says like, I'm your God or something yeah. like that. Right. And so I thought that was interesting too. And yeah, like you said, he's left for dead and then he gets stabbed pretty badly. At yeah. That with point, it, right. With, a, with like a, like a religious artifact dagger looked to be around like a foot long and they go almost to the hilt. I mean, yeah. So, and then he's, he's good. (laughs) He goes in, in Rex's house, you know? So again, I think that that's ties to the Jesus thing. There isn't a ton of stuff and he's not Jesus like (laughs) in any way. He's, he's not godly. Yeah. I guess as, as, as you, um, as he, like we think of Jesus. Yeah, for sure. So there's that. I think that there's connections there, but I don't know if it's like a strong. Yeah, like I said, it, th- that's that. some of the more like the subtle imagery that I noticed as well. Like I said, there's obviously the 
the heavy in your face overtones of religion just in the fact that it's a cult. And, yeah. You know, they're they openly talk about, you know, God and, you know, you know, God told me this and all these other things. Yeah, so it could be like the idea of false prophet. I yeah. mean, we get a lot of that stuff and I feel like it would be one of those movies where we'd really have to watch it again and almost take notes. Yeah, <laughs> and just try to, to like those connections. Pick, pick through it with a fine tooth comb. Yes. And I don't have a huge familiarization with like the religious text of that kind of stuff, like New Testament and Old Testament. But I the little that I do know, I felt like you could almost feel that where almost in a way like the cult was sort of this New Testament idea. Yeah. And then maybe Nicolas Cage I'm sorry, it was like the Old Testament. And then Nicolas Cage was kind of like this New Testament idea. In a way, because he is still like spiteful, <laughs> you know what I mean. He still it does get that revenge, but yeah. I don't know. I, I definitely do think that there's some some ties there, and a lot more to unpack with that than uh, we have time for, or <laughs> <laughs> or brains for probably. Yeah, right now, without a second viewing, at least I don't think that we could really fully give that the attention that it needs. But I thought it was worth mentioning, definitely, mm-hmm. because we get that throughout the whole thing so uh definitely the intention of watching this movie like i said there there's i wanted to see it for itself as a movie but i definitely wanted a you know a little less talk and a lot more action and it delivers that in spades uh once you get past that point once they once they kill mandy it just goes into this crazy like drug fueled just rage of nick just destroying people uh red crafts this strange axe like spearish kind of weapon i wouldn't say it's like a halberd it's like it's like an axe but then it's also a spear on the other end it's just it's um you said that you had some concerns about the weapon (laughs) because it is it's it looks like it's something out of like a like a heavy metal music video yeah, I mean, that's not my concern. There's a ton of heavy metal stuff, and I'm not familiar enough with heavy metal, the music genre, or heavy metal, the movie, which mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's homages to that. I think yes. even with the animation itself is a throwback to that. So I can't say exactly, but, I mean, from the music that's playing to the decade that it takes place, that era, and some of the wardrobe that's worn, mm-hmm. that, that all has ties to, to heavy metal. But the weapon itself... Like John was saying, or like, um, it's it's very shiny. Yeah. So it's weird, one, that he's able to forge this weapon because we never see him forging anything. He's a logger. And then, <laughs> you know, 50 minutes in or whatever, he just is suddenly... A master forger. Yeah. And then, which is cool. I mean, that scene's cool and you see him getting pumped and then you're getting pumped. So it helps build the anticipation. So for that, I was okay with it. But just the idea of... Like, where did he get that equipment from? You know, was a little bit odd. And then... By the he, way, I know I know it's Blacksmith. Don't at me on Twitter. <laughs> he, uh... Master Forger, Jesus. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 2018, man. <laughs> but he polishes it. Yeah. And I thought that was strange, because that's an extra step after the crafting process. Like, you make it, you sharpen it, and then... You polish it if you're going to display it, right? Or now, if you're going to sell it. I do think that there is something t- about the craftsmanship in giving it the polish at the end. I believe it does something to to strengthen it for heavy use. 
not necessarily like like strengthen it for like a single use, like to do one purpose. But over time, if you're you know beating on a lot of people with it and you're getting blood all over it and everything, there's a potential that it might be less strong if you don't polish it. But I'm not 100 percent certain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was like I thought that was weird because it's like you're gonna just want to make it and get to work. Yeah. So why take that extra step? But I guess that's pretty nitpicky on my end. But I just, yeah, I thought it was strange that he wouldn't want to just go fight immediately after it, he finished that. It massive. does look it does look cool, though. Yes, again. And so, I mean, I, I feel like that's what you have to take going into this movie is that a lot of the stuff is because it is cool visually. Yeah, the aesthetics are yeah. definitely on display. That's Yeah, it's almost another character in itself. Mm. You know what I mean? But outside of that whole polishing debacle, for me anyway, <laughs> that weapon's rad. Yeah. And he... Wields it pretty... Yeah. For, for it being the most unwieldy looking weapon I've ever <laughs> seen in my life, he wields it like it's a, like another part of him. Yeah, it's fantastic. So that was really cool. And then, and then he, he picks up a chainsaw. Yeah, you know? a little, little homage to Evil Dead. I thought so, yeah. And then you get to see a bigger chainsaw. <laughs> a giant logging chainsaw, like a like a like a six or seven foot chainsaw and That's what Leatherface needs in the next one when they when they eventually remake Texas Chainsaw. Let's just have him carry a six foot chainsaw. Just dragging it around <laughs> at all times. But again, that scene, super Ooh, cool. Yeah. yeah, all the kills, really rad. Um there's randomly a tiger. Yeah. That's <laughs> So we're gonna take a little, a little, uh, a little break from the action to that scene in particular, because I just have to un- unbox this a little bit. So Red walks in to this weird industrial, like, like place. It looks like it's like, like kind of like a warehouse, but like super, like, like raved out, like super bright lights. There's a random tiger in a cage. And there's just a dude who's just like going ham making acid. Just like so, just like got sheets hanging up everywhere off of clothing lines and stuff. And then Red walks in and is just staring at him. And then this guy basically carries on a conversation with himself, basically acting as if Red is saying things to him and he's not saying anything. And he's just like, You can tell, you can tell that I've, that I've made a good batch when the tiger is quiet. And then he's like, I guess that's not right. You're right. I should let it go. And then just let the tiger go. It just was like a bonkers scene. Yeah. And uh, I was a little bit confused because the chemist does resemble one of the cult members. Yeah. So for a second, I was like, is he going to kill this guy? And then that's on me, though. I guess we're not noticing what people look like. Racist against (laughs) against our own kind. But um, I had a thought, too. So throughout a lot of the movie, Red has a tiger on his shirt, Mm -hmm. right? And so that could – the tiger, the actual tiger, could possibly be a representation of Red. Being He's caged. Yes. Right? And then he goes to the chemist, like, hey, where are these people? You know where to find them. And then the chemist releases the tiger – and then Red is, at the same time, unleashed onto the cult. Yeah. You know? And so I think maybe 
it can be a heavy-handed yeah. <laughs> representation of that. But again, looks pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely does. And who who has a tiger? <laughs> Apparently, this this random acid chemist. Yeah. But again, yeah, that scene was very weird mm. and uh, trippy. That whole movie. I mean, yeah. if you had to sum this movie up, it's trippy. <laughs> trippy, weird, exciting. Yeah. So then, um, if you want to, we can keep talking about the action stuff. Following that scene, Red goes and gets to the cult, mm-hmm. and then we get to see him. He does get to use that weapon, but then he also uses some other weapons. And there's a few deaths off screen or quick that we don't really get a lot of time with, but the ones that you want, definitely, you get to, yeah, you get to see, yeah, and it's fun. It's a good time. And like we were saying, when it takes off, I mean, this movie goes, and once he's pissed and ready. It doesn't stop. Yeah, they just they just said, "All right, all right, Nick, turn it up to eleven. You can stay that way. <laughs> you can stay that way until you go home." Like it was, it was very intense, but in one of those ways where, because of the story that they built in the earlier parts of the movie, it made sense. It made sense that he was so aggressive and angry, and that he would stop at nothing to you know complete his mission. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, it's good. Like the plot wise, not anything that we haven't seen. Yeah, I mean it's very straightforward. Guy loves a girl. Girl gets killed. <laughs> Guy hunts down the people, and then that's it. You know what I mean? It's classic. That classic. Classic that love classic story. Story. <laughs> but I mean, we've seen that. Yeah, you know for what sure. I mean. And that doesn't detract from the rest of the movie yeah, for take, me anyway doesn't take away from the performances no it doesn't take away from the incredible i would i would be willing to say groundbreaking visuals i mean the the way that they chose to use color and the way that they oh, yeah. chose to create their set pieces while they may not necessarily have 100 percent cohesion across the across the board they definitely have their own style and it displays what it needs to display in each scene and like i said the action sequences are stunningly put together the kills are gory and gratifying and i had a ton of fun watching this movie yeah i did too and i think it's worth i think it's worth seeing one if you're a cage fan one if you're into trippy movies yeah and psychological horror yeah and if you're into that visual style you know it, it it hits a lot of it checks a lot of boxes for yeah. me, and I enjoyed it. So I went in apprehensive and excited, I guess, at the same time, and I wasn't disappointed in any way. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it had some drawbacks, but I mean, what movie doesn't really? And as as you've said, I'm the most hard between the two of us on yeah. movies like this. I but believe, I, I believe the words I've used are cynical. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think a case could be made. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it, and it, it's it's definitely weird, and it's on Shutter, and I think that's a really solid home for this kind of movie. Yeah, I want to revisit it. I I feel like there's probably things that I missed, uh, and I'm just excited to see uh, Nicolas Cage doing more cool things. You know? Yeah, if we can get him back on top, man, I'd be all for it. Yeah, you know, like give me some more Matchstick Men or yeah, and stuff like that, like Lord of War, where he's just. Trying to act, yeah. wanting to act. 
Raising Arizona. Yeah, you know, Leaving Las Cage. Vegas. He's good. So this podcast is not sponsored by Nick Cage, but it might as well be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that sponsorship is actually worth, though. That is, do we like shave off a portion of his like tax debts? <laughs> yeah. And so I mean, like I said, we. It's a. I would say, I would say it's a glowing review from both of us. Like I said, this movie has has its flaws. It's definitely not the best movie that either of us have ever seen, but if you go in looking for a spectacle, you're going to get one. Yeah, and I think if you go in knowing what to expect, which is kind of what we hoped to achieve here, giving people a little bit of Inside. that background, yeah, you know that's going to be a little bit slower starting out, and then you know that once it takes off, it's going to take off, so you aren't waiting for it to be amazing, like crazy, I yeah. guess I should say. Right off the bat, then I think that you will enjoy this movie. All right, so that's going to wrap up our episode about Mandy. Uh, I would, like I said, we would definitely say check it out if you've got Shudder. Definitely worth the watch. We've got the holidays upcoming. So the next episode that we're going to do, we are going to be uh, comparing, contrasting, and dissecting Black Christmas and the Black Christmas remake. (laughs) So these are... Definitely two different movies. Uh, we're kind of in for a treat with one and in for in for the stick with another. But uh, it's definitely something that I'm I'm excited to talk about. Uh, just because there there are a lot of like holiday themed uh, horror movies out there. I'm really excited to talk about these. Yeah, me too. I've only seen both of them once, and I don't remember the remake at all. So I'll be interested to sit down and check those out. Yeah, if I if I remember correctly, they're like the they're only really super similar in name alone, and there's a lot of differences. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what what the remake takes from the original and what it leaves behind. As I know, like I said, I know that it's that we're not in for like an Academy Award winning film, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where the disparities are. Yeah, definitely, and be on the. Look, Look out. out for our Christmas bonus episode. Yeah. We're going to save that one for you. It's going to be a treat. A little present. Yeah. A little present wrapped up neatly under the tree. <laughs> but it is coming. So don't get it too close to the fireplace. Prepared. That's your only hint. <laughs> uh, so don't forget to uh, to like, share, subscribe. And if you want to check out more from Porcelain Peak, then you can head over to our website. That's going to be at wordsforweirdos.com slash porcelainpeak. You can also check us out over on Instagram. That's going to be at wordsforweirdos. And if you want to share your thoughts on Mandy or have any other comments, then go ahead and shoot us an email at wordsforweirdos at gmail.com. And don't forget, don't at me on Twitter. I I know that it's a blacksmith and not a master forger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to be it for us. Peace. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.